Good morning, church. I am thrilled to be preaching to you today in Matthew 10, but I just want to say again, I miss all of you. Um, I, I believe that God is going to just work through this season to us. That's why we've been going through Matthew 10. I really felt like God wanted to prepare us for what was going to happen next, and that was for us to be a church that doesn't shrink back in the hard times, as it says in Hebrews, but instead we are a church that goes forward with the kingdom of God, that no matter what is happening, no matter what the enemy is throwing our way, that we would be the prevailing church in scripture and meet the enemy where we are supposed to, at the gates of hell, which means at their borders, ready to bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere that we go. So today we're going to be at the end of Matthew chapter 10. And even though we're in the end of Matthew chapter 10, we're not at the end of our series. Next week, we're going to be concluding our series. But today we conclude Matthew chapter 10 and we'll also look at the very first verse of Matthew chapter 11. And today we're gonna to be talking about the reward of following what Jesus has told us to follow as we've looked at the last four weeks. And so if you're like me you, and you opened your Bible, you see that your Bible most likely gave a title for this section. My Bible gave a title called Rewards for this section. And uh, I thought, great, I follow Jesus and I do what he tells me, what is in it for me? Uh, but then I read through the verses and I realized this is not a reward for me. This is actually a reward for other people. Uh, and so if you are a person that loves to give gifts to other people, then you will love the gift that Jesus says that you are giving, the reward that people are receiving when you do what he has called you to do. And that's what we're gonna talk about today is that reward. So like I said, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 10. We're gonna be starting in verse 40 and we're gonna read to Matthew chapter 11. Verse one, you can read along with me right in the Bible app if you're at onlinechurch.nyc or open up your Bible at home or your phone app. Let's read. Verse 40, this is again Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me, the Father. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. When you read this passage, you see that there's three characters at play, and I wanna talk about these three characters. Uh, you have the prophet, you have the righteous person, and you have the little ones. So first, what we're gonna do is we're gonna explore who these three characters are that Jesus is being sent out that are bringing these gifts or these rewards to the people that they're going to speak to. So the first person we see here is the prophet. Who is the prophet? Well. Uh, typically, someone with the title of prophet or being called a prophet, is, that is an office of authority in the body of Christ. That is somebody that has a title or authority in the church. In the Old Testament, this was somebody who spoke with the authority of God, who had the Holy Spirit on them and spoke God's word in a time where not everybody had the Holy Spirit. 
Not everybody had the Spirit. The Spirit was not poured out on all believers like it was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. This was a time where there were only certain people who the Spirit came upon and were able to speak the oracles of God. That is who an Old Testament prophet is. In the New Testament, the prophet is someone who edifies and encourages the church by hearing and speaking God's word over them. We see in 1 Corinthians that the prophetic office is someone who not only edifies and encourages the church, but is someone that when they speak the word of God, that when new people come in, people that don't know God, they'll hear it and they will hear things about their life and say, God is real. This is an encouragement even to the non-believer because they will hear the word of God. And so the, this first character that we see, the prophet, uh, is someone, again, with authority, has an office typically in the church. This is somebody with a title. So the, the, this is the first character at play here in the story that we're going to talk about. The second character is the righteous person. Right? The, the righteous person is just somebody that is obedient to God. That's what the righteous person is describing. This is somebody who just follows God. This should be all of us. This shouldn't just be uh, a select few. This shouldn't be a title of a righteous person in the church. This shouldn't be the righteous people's club. This should be everybody uh, in the church. It is every believer. This is who every believer is that we are all righteous before God because we are justified by the blood of Christ. The third character at play are the little ones. This is actually not talking about children. This isn't talking about little kids uh, or you know young people. These are followers of Jesus who are insignificant. These are people without status and these are people who are powerless in societies. This act in society, this actually describes most of Jesus' followers. This definitely describes almost all of his 12 disciples. These are people who were insignificant. They didn't have names of note. People didn't know them. They were not righteous of their own merit. They were not of the religious elite. They had no power or anything like that. So when we're reading about the little ones, we're reading about uh, just ordinary people, people that these are people that are going about their daily life like me and you that the world doesn't really know about. So Jesus is sending all of these people out on mission. He sends all these three characters out. He sends the prophet, he sends the righteous one, and he sends the little ones. And he starts off with this high office, the prophet. And I love this kind of, this, this, uh, this map that Jesus takes where who he starts with, this prophet, right? This, this title, this somebody that a lot of people would look up to. And it's honestly, a lot of us would say, well, I'm not a prophet. That's not something that I would uh, define myself as. And, and typically if somebody comes up to me and, and tells me they're a prophetess of the Lord or a prophet of the Lord, then that just means I'm about to have most likely a crazy conversation with somebody. Uh, and so then he moves on to the righteous person. Well, that is, or I should say should be, uh, all-encompassing for all believers. Yes, he is sending all of us out, but for some of us, even that is still too lofty of a title. 
When we think of ourselves, we don't think of ourselves as a righteous person or a righteous one. And so Jesus then takes it a step further to make sure that all of us feel included in going out in the mission and that if even righteous person is too lofty of a title for us, he says this, that he is even sending out the little ones. He is sending out all of us. All of us are sent. I hope that what you've gathered from the last four weeks is that every single person is included in mission. And as Jesus is ending his discourse here on his instructions to the disciples on what they need to do when they go out, he's ending it with saying that every single person has something to give. Every single person is included in the mission. None of us are left out. No matter how insignificant we may feel, no matter how insignificant of a role we may have played in the life or the body of the church, no matter how powerless may, we may feel in society, we are all doing this together. I'm gonna repeat that. We are all doing this together. Sometimes when we talk about uh, what's called uh, the fivefold ministry, uh, or APES, some people call it today, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, pastor, teacher, we think that, well, this is only something that is for the evangelist to do. And that's not true. Just like all of us need to be able to discern and hear the voice of God. And it says in John 10 that all the sheep are able to hear the voice of the shepherd and know when, there's an, when he is talking to them we wouldn't just say only prophets hear the voice of God anymore. It's the same thing when it comes to evangelists. It is not only one or two people's job to spread the word of God. It is every single one of our jobs to do the, to do the proclaiming of the gospel everywhere that we go to all the people that we meet. We are all a part of the mission. It doesn't matter what our title is in church. It doesn't matter what we have accomplished. It doesn't matter how many years we have been doing it. It doesn't matter if we have been a Christian for one week or we have been a Christian for 50 years. It doesn't matter if we hold a leadership title and position or if we have just sat in the seat or watched on the screen uh, since we have come to know Jesus. None of that matters. When Jesus describes who is going out with the gift and reward of salvation, he goes from the loftiest of the prophet, which were the people who were held in most esteem. When they are hearing the word prophet, the disciples, they're thinking of people like Moses, like David. They're thinking of people like Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, like Elijah, the, the great prophets of old. If you are going from the very top, no one is exempt from this. It doesn't matter what leadership title you have. This is not like something that leaders pass off to other people to do. And this is not something that if you do not have a title that you're not invited to participate in. It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Jesus has invited you to be part of the mission and has called you and sent you out to do this. Title, status, significance doesn't matter when we are being called to the mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. 
If you have not rejected Jesus, like Melvin talked about last week, and you have wholeheartedly given yourself over to Jesus, then you are now sent out by Jesus. If you have not rejected him, then you have been sent out by him. There is no middle period there where if you don't reject Jesus, then you are just comfortable not talking about him. If you have not rejected him, then you have been called to be sent out by him to proclaim the good news to other people. And when you do that, you bring a reward with you. You bring a reward for those who receive you. Now, when Jesus is sending out the disciples, he is sending them out to different towns, to different people, and he is saying, whoever receives you in hospitality, whoever, basically, when they receive you, they're receiving the message that you bring with them. They're receiving me, he says in verse 40, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the Father. They are receiving Jesus. So whoever receives you, they are going to receive the reward that you are bringing with them. Right? And each character that we talked about, the prophet, the righteous person, and the little one, all have a different reward that they bring. Each character has a different gift that they are bringing. The prophet, we see in scripture, uh, we can look at one example of a prophet we find in 1 Kings chapter 17, when the prophet Elijah is received in the widow's home. He brings two things with him. He brings provision and he brings life. So Jesus is saying when, when you receive the prophet, you are going to receive the reward of the prophet, which means you are going to receive the reward of provision. You are going to receive the reward of life. When Elijah goes into this widow's home, he asks her, can you feed me? He, he, he was not in a good place and she looks at what she has. She has only a little bit for a last meal. But even though she only has a little bit for a last meal, she gives that meal to Elijah anyway. And Elijah then blesses her and he tells her, because you have done this, God is going to extend what you had to abundance. And you see that that last meal now becomes a meal that provides for her and her family for a very long period of time. And so God gives provision over her household. But then what happens after that, if you read a little bit further, is her son falls sick and actually dies. And so then the lady comes to Elijah and she says in distress, what's going on? I, I, thought, I thought you brought with you God. I thought you brought the blessing of God and here my son is sick and ill and has died. See, in the Old Testament, uh, whenever there was sickness in a home or over a person, uh, in those times they related that to God being upset with you. And so she looks at this, at her son dying from being ill and she looks at Elijah and she says, I thought you were supposed to bring God's blessing, uh, blessing not his anger and his wrath and, 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 and sickness upon my home. And so what does Elijah do at that point? It says that he laid over the body of the boy three times and breathed into him. And that last time that he did that, the boy wakes up and he receives life. And so what Jesus is saying is if you receive a prophet into your home, you receive the reward that the prophet brings and has, which is provision and life. The next reward is from the righteous person. 
The reward of the righteous person, we read earlier in verse 13, that when Jesus says, when you go, he tells his disciples, when you go into a home and if they accept you, let your peace be upon that home. If they reject you, let your peace return unto you and wipe off the dust from your feet. And so the, the first reward that they will receive is they will receive the peace of God. They will receive the gift of God's peace over their home. And then we read in 1 Corinthians 15 that the reward of the righteous person is eternal life. And so the reward that we are giving to others when they receive us, when we go out on mission and spread and proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what people are receiving is they are receiving the peace of God and they are receiving eternal life. And then the third character, the third reward are the little ones. Now in Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 to 14, we see that uh, Matthew again brings up this character, the little ones. And what Matthew talks about is he says that God, Jesus, this is Jesus talking, he says, the father will always hear the cry of the little ones because the angels will hear their distress, they will hear what they are saying, and they will directly bring that to the Father. And then, right after that, it says that he will hunt them down. This is, think of the parable of the lost sheep. He will hunt them down and bring them into salvation. He will bring salvation to them. And so the, the reward of the little one, the gift that the little one is given and has, is always having the ear of the Father, having a direct line, a direct connection to God the Father, to always hear your cry and to then be hunted down and saved by God, to make sure that the good shepherd comes and finds me wherever I have been lost, wherever I have gone, wherever I have strayed off to, the Father will come, the good shepherd will come, will put me on his shoulders and he will bring me back to the fold. And so the reward of the little one that comes upon, the reward that we give to people, if we would say that, man, I am one of insignificance. I am one who is powerless. I am one who has no lofty title or has done no great thing by the world's standards then what you bring, the gift, the reward that you bring to people is direct access to God and his salvation power when they receive you and the message that you bring with you. The reward is clear for all three of these characters. For the prophet, the righteous person, or the little one, it is salvation through Jesus Christ. The reward that we bring, the reward that we bring upon every home that receives the message of Jesus is salvation. It is the greatest gift that we could ever give to somebody. It is the greatest gift that we have ever received and it is the greatest gift that we can see that somebody else will have. Whether you have a title or an office in the church or consider yourself the lowliest of believers, when someone receives you, they receive the gift, the reward that was given to you, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. 
they now receive that same gift that was given to you. But there's something so beautiful about what Jesus says here. And I want to focus in on it. It's in verse 42 when he is going over the last of the characters and the last of the rewards. He says this, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. There's three things I want you to hear that Jesus is saying. He's saying, a cup of cold water, right? This, a cup of cold water in Palestine was the most basic form of hospitality to receive someone. This is an arid, this is very dry, this is very hot place. And so when somebody goes into your house, the most basic of hosts, the very basic thing that you would do, kind of hospitality 101, if you would, would be to get a cup of cold water for somebody coming over your house because their throat is dry, it's hot outside, and they're thirsty. And so you're not going to give them warm water. You're, you're going to give them a cup of cold water. It's the, it's the very least that you can do for somebody. The second thing is the little one, Jesus says, the, the powerless, right? The insignificant, the, the lowliest of people that you can receive. So you're, you're getting a cup of cold water for the very lowest, the, the, the very smallest thing that you can do for the very smallest type of person. And then Ju Jesus says these two words about the reward. He says, truly, when he talks about it, and he says, by no means, by no means they would lose their reward. These two things talking about the same reward overemphasize how great the reward will be. They're overemphasizing how great of a reward this little one is bringing with them. Jesus is saying here, the smallest gift from the smallest person will get the greatest reward. See, you, you can't ever minimize your contribution to somebody. You can't ever minimize what you are bringing to the table. You can't ever minimize what you are going to bring to somebody in your, in your gospel presentation, in your testimony, in your conversation when you're talking with someone. Don't ever minimize either someone's response to what you say or your role in bringing the gospel to them because the smallest response coupled with the smallness of us will produce the greatest of miracles is what Jesus is saying. You know, sometimes I've been down and out, you know, of uh, I would feel like God has put a small gesture on my heart, whether it's taking somebody out for a meal and just talking to them or, uh, you know, sharing something, a scripture that God put on my heart uh, for them or just in natural conversation, talking about the things that God has done for me. These things have felt very insignificant for me in the moment and unimportant for me to do. But some of these things have bore incredible fruit in people's life where they have received those things. And because of that, I've seen some of the greatest miracles of people, of God bringing people to salvation. And so I love that Jesus says this as his last sending out as his last character because he wants to get this point across. He wants to make it abundantly and absolutely clear 
that even the smallest of us being received in the smallest of ways will make the greatest of impacts in people's lives. We cannot minimize us sharing the gospel with people. We cannot minimize just that small conversation at work about scripture, that small conversation with our family about what happened at church on Sunday, that small conversation with our friends about what God is currently doing in our life right now. We cannot minimize these conversations conversations. Because when we do these small gestures and the things that we do when they are received by the people, what happens is that seed is planted on good soil and it will grow to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. That word of God, that gospel, that good seed is planted in the heart. And God begins to germinate that, to grow it, and we see the greatest gift, the greatest miracle, the greatest reward come to fruition from that, from the smallest of gestures and the smallest of ways it is received. Church, we, we cannot go on thinking that we have to preach in a stadium, that we have to have some grand gesture, that people have to be crying on the street because we gave them some incredible prophetic word. No, we have to, at a lot of times, get those out of our head because that is not the norm. The norm is the small things that people like me and you do that nobody has ever heard of to other people that the world would count insignificant in these insignificant ways that God uses to produce some of the greatest miracles. Don't discount the next conversation that you feel leading from the Holy Spirit to share about your experience in church. Don't discount that next conversation that you have or that next inkling from the Holy Spirit to share a scripture that was on your heart, whether on Instagram or to a friend. Because... Jesus wants to make it abundantly clear that it is the smallest gesture from the most insignificant of people that will receive the great reward of salvation through him. We have to understand that no gesture is too insignificant and no person is too small to do this. God is, is saying that we are all called to be on this. It doesn't matter where you are. You are called to be on this journey of mission. This is something that if you are watching this, if you are listening to this, yes, you are called to do this. For all my Pentecostals, I want you to think of this. When you think of not sharing the thing that God has put on your heart, think that you are holding out on somebody else's blessing because you are deciding not to share that small gesture or that small word or that small story from God. Don't withhold the blessing and the gift and the reward from others because you think what you are sharing is not gonna make a difference. In fact, it could be the difference between life and death and eternity, not only for that person, but for the people that they will go and share that small gesture with as well. I love the story that Melvin shared last week of the atheist, and I think it was incredibly important that this atheist said, if, if you are a Christian and you don't try to proselytize me, if you don't try to share the good news with me, well then I, 
I think that you hate me. Because if you truly believe in a hell and you truly believe in a heaven and you truly believe that Jesus is the only way to get there, then it only makes sense that if you love me, that you will share it with me. I always think of sharing the gospel like sharing about a new movie that I really like. Because when I watch a movie that I love, I usually make sure that the people I love also watch that movie. Because I think I'm doing them a favor. I want them to be able to enjoy the beauty and the creativity and the art of something that I just saw to spark deeper conversation and great, con and, and, and just the, the you know, there, there are just some films that evoke the human sense and emotion in a way that a lot of films don't. And so when I find a film that does that for me, I wanna make sure that everybody watches it so that they can experience the, the kind of euphoria that I experience when I watch that film. And I think that sharing the gospel is very similar to that because when we find something that is so great, that's so beautiful, our natural reaction for everything else in the world is to then go and share it with the people that we love. But when it comes to the gospel, when we find this, our natural reaction then becomes to keep it to ourselves. And there's only one reason for that. And that is because the enemy does not want us to share. There will be a million excuses. Our flesh, the enemy, will try to make everything possible happen so that we do not share the gospel. And we'll put all the things in our head on why we don't. But let me tell you, and I want you to remember this next time, that nothing is too insignificant, no gesture is too small, no person is too newly saved or too high up on the totem pole for this not to be part of what you are supposed to be participating in in a regular and a daily basis. Matthew ends this section in chapter 11, verse one, and he says this. He says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. That word instructing, I think, is not doing what we uh, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing in the Greek for our English translation. When we think of someone instructing, we think of more a college-type deal or a classroom-type deal, and we think, I'll take the knowledge and I'll do what I want with the knowledge. When we, But in Scripture, when there's instruction from a rabbi, it is not an optional type of knowledge. This isn't just something that we love to do in the West where we love to read books, we love to fill ourselves with knowledge, uh, just in case it becomes useful one day. No, instruction from the rabbi, and I would say even here, the great rabbi means one thing. In the Greek, that word means command. So this is not Jesus saying, well, if you feel like going out and doing this, guys, well, you know, whenever you feel like doing it, just maybe in a year, maybe in 10 years, you know, if, if you're, you really just, you know, you get that motivation one day and you go, no, this is Jesus saying, this is what you're supposed to do. Matthew is making it clear here, when Jesus is done with his discourse, these were the commands that Jesus was going, giving to his disciples. Imagine the, the disciples sitting around and Jesus instructing them after this. And it's like, okay, guys, go do it, right? He, he just gave them instructions on what they're supposed to do. And they think, oh man, that was, that was a great sermon, Jesus. Really appreciated that. I, you know, I really liked the one you said about family. That, like, that, really, that really struck home. 
Uh, so we're gonna go get dinner later or, you know, we're doing our Sunday brunch, I assume. No, that wasn't happening. It was like, break, you know, like, I just gave you a command, now go and do it. And this is the same command that we have given today, but so often we take the commands of Jesus like suggestions from Jesus. These are not suggestions on what we're supposed to do. When we follow Jesus, he is not just our savior, he is our Lord. And as Lord, he then has the ability to command us to do certain things. Now I know in today's day and age, we don't like authority. And honestly, we just have to get over that. Because Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over our life. And when we tell him that he isn't Lord and we don't follow his commands, well, really, we're just saying we're gonna listen to the authority of self. And guess what? Authority of self will lead us to the pit 10 times out of 10. But the authority of God, the authority of the great rabbi, what he tells us to do will 10 times out of 10 lead us to life. And so Matthew ends this discourse making it clear, Jesus commanded us to do this. Whether you are the prophet or the little one and in between a righteous person, it doesn't matter who you are, this is a command from Jesus for us to go out and to do this. Someone in my house church gave a great example of what this could look like. We were talking last week after Melvin's sermon and one of his friends asked him like, have you read any great books this weekend? And generally when somebody asks me that question, I'll usually talk about any book but the Bible, even though I've read the Bible that weekend. And so he took this as an opportunity to say, actually, yeah, I read the Bible and it's just been life-changing, right? He, he, he started sharing about his scripture reading. And I love that because this is an everyday conversation, an everyday question that somebody can ask you that you can begin to train yourself to then begin to proclaim the good news of Jesus in very small ways and allow the miracle of salvation to happen in unexpected times and unexpected ways. These are everyday questions that we ask when somebody asks, how are you? Be honest. Man, I was going through a tough time, but I had a great time of prayer last night with my church family, or I was in scripture and I'm feeling much better today. What are you reading? I was reading the Bible this morning and this verse just, it was amazing. I texted a couple of my friends, let me read it to you. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I can't wait to be with my church family on Sunday. Every time I'm with them, it's just, it, it sets the tone for the rest of my week. We have opportunities every single day to spread the good news of Jesus and to give the gift of salvation that was given to us to others. Let us not begin to continue missing these opportunities because we think they're too small or we think they're too insignificant. They may seem small. They may seem like, ah, that won't really matter. But listen to Jesus's words. He himself said, from the smallest people in the smallest ways, we will see the greatest miracles and those rewards will not be taken away. When we go on mission, church, verse 40 is very clear. Whoever receives us receives Jesus and whoever receives Jesus receives the Father. If we are received someone, if they accept what we say, we are giving them the greatest gift that we have ever received true life with God, the gift 
of his incarnation, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. We are giving them the gift of eternal life. We are giving them the gift of peace over their home. We are giving them the gift of provision. We are giving them the gift of life. We are giving them the gift of access to the Father. We are giving them the gift of someone hearing their prayers of joy, of contentedness, all the things that the world promises but can never fulfill. We are giving them the greatest gift that we can ever give them. Do not ever downplay your role. Don't do it. Don't hold back the reward that someone else can receive from you that will absolutely change the course of not only their life that is fleeting, that is here one day and gone the next, but will change the course of eternity for them. Don't downplay your next conversation. Don't downplay the next answer to that question. Don't downplay the next inkling of the Holy Spirit. Be bold and know that if they reject you, they're rejecting Jesus. You're not somebody that people don't wanna be around. This isn't personal about you. You are doing what you were commanded to do by your Lord. And they are rejecting Jesus. But if they receive you, they receive what you say, then they receive the greatest thing that anybody could ever possibly give them. Let's pray. Father, help us to remember that no matter what character or what role we play in this life, whatever role or character we play in your grand story, that we have all been sent out to do your will. That these are not suggestions, these are not opinions, but these are commands that you have instructed, appointed us to, set us in to do. You have ordained each and every single one of us to go out and be on mission. Help us not to downplay how others receive us or the gift that we bring them. But let us remember, God, that no matter what our role, no matter what character we play, that we bring with us the greatest gift that has ever been given to man, eternal life with God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.